The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. If you like podcasts with bad language and content that people with weak constitutions find quite offensive, this one might be the one for you. If you don't, then you know where the door is. Well, well, there's no door. You can press stop. That's how I'm getting people in now, by telling them to fuck off before they even do the opening credits. We shouldn't really be doing that, not with our numbers. Welcome to the Seesaw Podcast with T and Cleve. Each week, offering up a bloody perspective on life. Welcome to episode 12. Yep, we are in the teens now. No, we're not. 12 isn't a teen. We're not in the teens yet, but we're getting close to them. <laughs> Very close. Nice one. In the park. Nice recovery. That's an Olympic style recovery there. From the bushes. Uh, I, I love it when you watch like, the Olympic gymnastics and they fuck up their landing. And they'll take one massive jump forwards because they're off balance. And then they still pretend like they were meant to do that. Totally stuck the landing when they haven't. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be a dangerous sport. I've seen a few times where they sort of come off the bar and they land on their face. It's like, Jesus Christ. I do kind of like watching the ones where they're on the bar. Because I just... Uh, every the, You want to watch it because you just want to see a guy crack his balls, don't you? Let's be fair. It happens. I mean, and then jealousy comes in from how ridiculously strong they are. Like when they do that, well, like the crucifix on the rings. I'm not jealous. I'd rather have my balls intact. I don't know. Do you need balls if you can do that sort of thing? You've probably got to have quite a lot of balls to do that sort of thing. Yeah, no, but those are internal balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, topic of the week. So, we're going to talk about charities and volunteering. Yeah, hot charity. As far as like, charities, I mean, I'm... Well, now that he's retired, I used to be a guide dog user. I suppose I still am. I can't get another dog at some point. A user at heart. <laughs> Once a user, always a user. I'm addicted to guide dogs. <laughs> Just pump them in my veins. <laughs> guide dogs for the blind is a charity, which I use. Uh, not perfect. I don't think any charity is. Because um, they still employ human beings. And I think everyone who's worked in any... Well, worked ever, knows that people can be lazy and rubbish at their jobs. Guide dogs, they're one of the better charities out there. They, they, they will put up the money. They'll give you the support. Well, technically, the people that pay them put up the money. Are they worth my money, is my first question. No, well, yes. <laughs> you were going to say no. No, what I was going to say no to is, yes, when, when I say put up the money, yes, people donate to them. But guide dogs aren't afraid to spend money. Like my... My dog had, um, it's uh, a lipoma, which is a, a lump, on one of his legs last year. It wasn't last year, it was the end of 2019. Massive one. 
all on the inside of his rear leg. And we didn't know if he, we were going to get him back. So he, we took him to the vet, and the vet was like, well, this is obviously serious. This needs to be removed. Then guide dog stepped in, and then they got, like, the best surgeon in Europe. No expense was spared. And he came back to us um, on Christmas Eve 2019. We got him back. And we didn't think we'd have him back for Christmas. And he was a little bit sore for a few weeks, but it's fine. But they spared no expense. Like, other vets would have quite ridiculous sums. And unfortunately, if the owners can't put up the money, sometimes it's too readily, oh, the dog gets put down. Which I think is a bit crap. Mm. But I understand it's a business. But I heard numbers floating around, like all the aftercare, like three weeks aftercare and rehab for my dog. And I heard numbers like 15 grand all in for everything that was done, scans, surgeries, medication, aftercare, working with like dog physiotherapists, which are a thing. And like 15 odd grand. I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't have afforded that. No way. And I know that's what insurance is for, but guide dogs are like, no, nah, we'll pay the bill. He's a working dog. That's what I mean when they, they put up money. They're more than happy to, to put money forward for the dogs, for the service, and they rely on the, the donations. And I think, I think they are worth your money. As a side story, in January 2020, the donation that I make to guide dogs inexplicably went up. Well, it wasn't anything to do with me, because that was like 2000... Oh, yeah, right, 2020. So, Guide Dogs, I think, one of the better charities. And like I said, they're not perfect. Um, they lost my paperwork for my new dog last year and didn't get around to contact me in, contacting me again until November of last year. Well, and I didn't I, know. They lost it. Yeah, they didn't. And I didn't know that I wasn't progressing up the list for a new dog. Neither did they. No. Well, that's just it. So I don't know when that's happening. That's, that's kind of a human error, though. I don't blame the charity particularly for that. And Someone should get blamed for that. I think someone should, but I, I don't know. That's not my place to, to throw blame, put a blame blanket on someone. It's just unfortunate that it happened when my dog is now retired and I still do not have a date or any idea of when when the next one's going to be coming along. And going back to a long cane after a guide dog is tough. The long canes are rubbish compared to a dog. We've had this conversation. It's not the case. It's just that you're out of practice. Yeah, that's also true. On the bright side, though, literally the bright side, it is getting lighter now, so I have to use my cane even less because it's bright enough for me to see. Good times. So as far as sort of other charities that we've had engagements with over the years, well, what ones have you been involved with? Um, I've worked with a couple of Blinky charities. First one I worked for was Derbyshire Association for the Blind, as it was known at the time. I think it's called Sight Support Derby now. And I worked with, yeah, it's a better name to be fair. Because not everyone's blind, isn't they? And I worked with the youth programme. Basically, that all that meant was during my off periods of uni, I would go and basically volunteer for basically like days out and trips and stuff like that for kids that were blind. I think they were mainly aged between about 5 and 14. Mm. And they used to go out to like theme parks or even just to do sports activities or trampolining or even music, whatever. They just needed some extra people there just to help them out, look after stuff. Your classic case of the blind leading the blind. How'd you find it? Yeah, it was good. It was... I'm not going to be one of those dicks that are like, oh yeah, it was so rewarding. I'll be honest, it gave me something to do. It was good, don't get me wrong. The, you know, the kids were good. They were having a good time. Gets them to know people, especially 
a lot of the kids didn't just have like blinky conditions, sight conditions. Yeah, sight conditions. They had other stuff like um, severe autism, ADHD, epilepsy. I think one of them had just come out of chemo as well. So a lot of them maybe didn't have the opportunity to mix with friends and things like that at uni. Yeah. Or they've been chucked in a, in a uh, what's the word for a blinky school? Like a specialist school. Specialist school, yeah. So they haven't really had much time around people without disabilities. I feel like I'm having to watch what I'm saying here. I don't mean it offensively, I just... Uh... No, so what you're saying is you, you work with kids with multiple needs. Yeah, yeah. Which is tough. It is tough. And, and that, unfortunately, is... Visual impairment can often come with other conditions. It's not often that you get other conditions with visual impairment. Visual impairment usually comes as a booby prize with other conditions like autism, Down syndrome, um, some other sort of form, like forms of epilepsy, stuff like that. You can get conditions that way. Right. The hardest thing to deal with on the thing that I was there with, because I obviously... It wasn't the epilepsy and it wasn't the autism. Those people were surprisingly easy to deal with compared to the prick that had ADHD. That guy was a dick. He was a little prick. Right, go on. He was just... Oh, God. And I, I know this is literally the symptoms of ADHD, but it's like, calm the fuck down. Like, stop being a dick to everyone. You don't have to be that guy. But that, that's going to have some... like It's not just going to be ADHD, but there'll be like social aspects of that. It's also environment, how you're raised, how you grow up. I mean, you're right, yeah. But I wasn't prepared to always take care of him when he's being a prick because I, I feel like I'm just shouting at someone else's kid. Yeah. You know, if, if like he goes over and like tries to punch another kid and you have to sort of grab him and restrain him, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop punching that kid for no reason. Leave him alone. He's done nothing to you. Very difficult. But you found it rewarding? Uh, I, I, it was quite good. I did quite enjoy doing it. Like the peop- The staff there were good. I like the fact that that charity, that charity actually had a youth programme that actually seemed to make a difference to people. Yeah. It got, for people with like autism and, you know, some of the, the harsher conditions, if you like, it gave the parents a day away to do their own thing for a while, gave them a bit of respite. Yeah. I didn't mind it because obviously it was only a day. The kids seemed to enjoy it. The staff members seemed to have a good time. It seemed to be a genuinely good programme. And it actually got young people that are sight deficient involved in activities that potentially they weren't doing. Yeah. And whilst probably they should be doing those sorts of things within normal activities, so for, I don't know, for example, if we were playing basketball, they probably should be going to the local basketball club and them just making adjustments to suit them. Yeah. At least they're out doing something, isn't they? If they're, it's better than just sat at home. Yeah. So it's good in that respect. I think it's good. I think that's the best way that a charity can provide, especially sort of like for vision impaired and, and children with sort of like disabilities and special educational needs and stuff like that, is just give them normal things to do, like regular activities, but give that like make that accessible because if especially if it's not being made accessible. So why did you do your your volunteering work? Boredom. Was that was that the reason? Oh yeah, definitely. Like. Between uni, I mean, I had a lot of downtime, and I just liked to keep busy. And I just figured, I was doing my job in the evenings, but during the day, I don't think there was any shifts going or something, so I figured, oh, I'll just do some voluntary work. And it was kind of the same with my current job, in the sense that I work during the day, 
And I do actually volunteer sometimes now for the Nottingham version of Site Support Derby, which is, oh, I don't even know what I volunteer for. What is it? My Site Knots. My Site That's it. I can never really remember the name. It's basically like a less good version of the Derby one, from my experience. <laughs> yeah. In the sense that the service seems to be geared towards just old people, from what I understand, mainly. It, all their activities seem to run during work time. What I, well, when I say work time, I mean 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. So if you're a working professional like myself or yourself, that probably still wants to go out and do some of these things, you're pretty screwed because you've got a job. There's not a lot of stuff that works in the evening. I go and help out with bowling sometimes. I know they do some sports at the weekend. But yeah. it's not it's not a great deal of things. Yeah. And I suppose arguably the, the kids' youth programme that was in Derby a lot of the time ran during the days. But they also run on weekends occasionally as well. So yeah, gives them something to do. I don't feel like the, the Nottingham version really has the services in place like the Derby one does. The allocation of funds, the services that they offer seem to be much better in Derby. Yeah, and money is a big part of charity, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's where you put it, though. That's it. It's where you're putting that money. There, there are certain things that I think shouldn't be... Like, money shouldn't be spent on certain things. So, like, my site, not. They, they shouldn't be providing, like, accessible equipment. They They're, shouldn't be. No, their, their budget shouldn't be used on that. There should be a console... Like, there should well, they be... don't. They make you pay for it. Fair enough. I, I know that some charities do give out stuff for free, so they might not, but I know that some charities do. They, they offer it as like a... Oh, you know, hit... They basically have these things every now and again where it's like, oh, come try out all this accessible stuff yeah. that we've got. You better believe that's well within the 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, so someone like me that might actually have some sort of use for it in daily life. Yep, yeah, no chance of going to have a look at that. Um, but then, yeah, if you want it, it's, uh, you've got to pay. And, yeah, that, that sort of goes on to places like the R&IB. I'm sure the R&IB do a lot of good work. I don't... Lots. Right, we talk about these charities and the services and things like that, but when we talk about them, or when I talk about them at least, I talk about, about it in relation to myself. Yeah. And I don't see any kind of service that they're offering me. Well, what service would you want? Well, I, you know, free cane, that'd be nice, every yeah. now and again. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Something that's essential for your mobility. Yeah. And they, they cost upwards to £50. If they're going to run activities and things like that, I'd like them to do it outside of work time. Yeah. Do it in an evening or a weekend, which, you know, they do, but it's not... That's not the primary thing that they do. It's usually during work time because they assume that all blinkies can't work. Yeah. As usually for kids or the elderly. Yeah. What, what about for... The kids are at school. Yeah. For the most part. So, like, it's literally just, just for old people a lot of the time. What about stuff for young professionals? Why don't they... Why don't the R&IB put on stuff like bowling night for, like, in a region and it's... I mean, you don't need people there necessarily... Like over your shoulder, going, Oh, would you know? I can have a drink and stuff like that. But it's more like as guides for the fully blind, like totally blind, and stuff like that, or people with severe conditions. But why not, why not have something that is like 25 to 45s or 25 to 50s? You know what I mean? Well, why isn't that a thing? It's just sort of assumed that you don't need that sort of socialising yeah. as a disabled person. And I'm not going to say that that's for me, but I know people who would love that, who mm. are in their 30s. 
But I would love that networking. All I'm thinking is, right, you're not, you don't even have to limit it to that. All I'm saying is, if you're old, you're going to be doing it at night anyway. Yeah. So why not just move the activity that you're doing during the day, like, I don't know, swimming, for example, right? Just move it to the night. Yeah. And then everyone can go. But it doesn't have to be swimming, but it could be anything. Even, like, they have, I don't know, like, coffee morning. Great. If you're elderly, you know, it gives you something to do in the morning. I'm not saying take that away. But why not do something in the evening, like um, just, you know, beers out or something like that? Yeah. You know, you, you meet at 7, 8 o'clock, have a few beers. Get yeah. get everyone in, even the, you know, it can be people that work there, it can be friends and family, it can be just anyone that wants to go. But just organise a date and a time. Yeah. Find a quiet pub and have like a blind or visually impaired sort of like pool and darts night. And yeah. just say to the landlord, we're going to bring a lot of people here. Um, what's the quietest night? So that, yeah, we're, we're, we've got a little bit more space, a little bit more tables, just letting you know that this is the case, just so you're aware. And that's fine. Yeah, so I mean, that's the services that they can offer for me. if they And it costs them nothing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you make that. your own way there, don't you? All, all they've got to do is really... OK, you've got to advertise it to an extent, which, again, is another pretty shocking thing about some of these local charities. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, they're really... Maybe that's the problem as well. You can put all these services on, but if no one comes, but then again, are you getting it out to the people that would want to go? Probably not. Yeah. But maybe that's again down to the money. Yeah. Are you allocating the money in the right places? Are you getting the money that you need? I don't know. Is it the staff or the staff the issue? Are they just out of touch? I think potentially it's a bit of everything. I feel like I'm ragging a little bit on my site, not, but. That's just my own feelings. But they won't get better without criticism. Because what they're doing isn't working. Well, maybe it is, I don't know. Maybe they're bringing in the money from the old folks. You know what I mean? Treat them nice and then when they die, get some of that sweet inheritance. Yeah, I mean, I've gone to a couple of gullible training sessions with, which my, not, my site knots do help out with. I mean, it, I mean, that's on a Saturday, so they are going out of their way to do something on the weekend. Yeah, and I used to go to like bowling, and that was at night as well. And again, it used to be relatively well turned out. Yeah, when it did go ahead. So, I mean, transport is always an issue. Yeah, but again, they have good rates with cab firms around here. They do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, around here. But again, you can normally sort that out, can't you? There's going to be one person that drives, or take a fucking bus. Yeah. Maybe that's another thing. Maybe they should be offering mobility services. If people can't take a bus to get into town, then that's on them, isn't it, really? Not not on the charity. It's on the person, and it's on the charity. The charity could be offering that service. They don't like doing that. They would rather the council did that or someone like Guide Dogs or the RNIP. Because they don't want the responsibility. They don't want the responsibility. They don't want to be qualifying their staff, have that liability insurance, do all the training, that sort of thing. And unfortunately, they don't. They can't be bothered with it. I think a lot of the time, they just can't be bothered. Which I'm not going to blame them for it, especially their volunteers. I don't think they should be. Someone like the RNIB, that's massive, could be offering that. Maybe they do. I, I, I can. Uh, maybe that was premature in me saying that they don't. But I don't yeah. know enough about them to say they do or they don't. I know guide dogs are a lot better than the RNIB on this. Like even if you don't want a dog, if you find up the uh, find up guide dogs and you want some mobility training on certain routes as a long cane user, 
they'll help you out. Yeah. They'll either do it themselves or they'll make your council do it. Because they're really good at that. So even though they are called Guide Dogs for the Blind, they do long cane stuff. Mm. But R&IB, I don't know, do they do it? Don't they? I don't know. Well, maybe that's a problem in itself. As, as people that are registered blind, we don't even know what the R&IB does. No. Uh, maybe that, again, that's going to come back down to marketing, isn't it? Surely they should be championing the services that they offer. I mean, I, the last thing I saw from them was on Twitter saying that COVID tests are now being made accessible after, after like, a year what? of being out. And they're saying, oh, we've been petitioning the government and now COVID tests are going to be, like, made accessible. How do you make a COVID test accessible? You lob it down your throat, you lob it up your nose, and away you go. Yeah. The thing is, that, that can be done in other ways, like... YouTube videos and how how hard is it for them to do like a PDF or something like that or have the the text on on all of it large print? I don't even get it because like in a lot of cases you could just ask someone to do it for you. Yeah, take someone with you down the down the testing centre, get them to do it. Yeah, and I know there's going to be people out there who are going to say, oh, well, I'm totally blind and I don't see anyone and I can't get out to a testing centre and I can't read the the bits and bobs on the bit of paper and I don't use technology and yes you're you're an anomaly but it doesn't mean the entire system needs to be overhauled because of you it means that you just need to reach out to someone to help you yeah but that's something that they were they're proud of and so yeah and all that and I think how many man hours was well person hours shall we say EDI and all that (laughs) how many person hours were spent on that like paid person hours yeah other nations on fighting this, which... Plus in a year, that's going to be irrelevant. Yeah. Oh, I like to think anyway. So, I mean, I, I can sum up my feelings about R&IB in, in one, really. For a charity in, who, in the year of 2019-2020, had a turnover of 50 million UK pounds, why have I got to spend £10 on a new cane tip because my old one's knackered? called a helmet firstly a cane helmet it's not called a cane helmet <laughs> you always measure the helmet you always do measure the helmet but why have I got to pay £10 for that you're a charity cover the shipping no the, the, the <laughs> was free right well that's where £10 comes in I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous and I'm not saying give free stuff out to all blind people but if they need a brailer do an assessment on them and if they need one give them one like, use some of it, the money to, to give back to them. And I think R&IB, along with a lot of other charities, they use a lot of money for redevelopment. Because charity law says you're not allowed to have, like, big like a big vault of money. How would you know about charity law? Okay, another hint. I work for a charity. <laughs> Thanks, Cleves. You're welcome. Got to give uh, the viewers something. Lift taste. So, anyway, you're not allowed to have, like, stockpiles of money. As a charity, because like the charity commission will do audits now and again, and if you have more than what you need, they will bust your balls on that. The RNIB, if they're um, when you look at like their finance books and stuff like that, it says, "Oh, we spent ten million on reinvestment in the charity," and I'm not saying that that isn't important, but when you haven't got the breakdown of what that actually means, I I don't know. Like when we can't identify what their services are, and all the time. 
whenever I go to them I have to give them money and I'm supposed to be a service user, I get kind of pissed off with them because uh, all I know is that I have to pay them for things. So yeah, OAB, justify why you exist. Like I say, I don't know what services they offer, but maybe that's a problem in itself. Right. And also, the only experience I've had with the RNIB is when I had to buy a new cane, which that cost me like 40 quid or something, which I guess the last one lasted me 10 years, so 40 quid over 10 years isn't terrible. But I didn't really want to have to buy it. I could have got one free from the council, most likely, but it takes too long. So, RNIB it was. It's ridiculous. I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the RNIB. I don't. And like, like I said, just because, they, just because they don't have services that apply to us doesn't mean they're not doing things. But why don't you have services that apply to us? Where's your marketing? What, what do you spend your money on? Let's talk about volunteering. Well, what have you done in terms of volunteering then? I volunteered for a MenCap centre. Okay. Just doing admin work. Um, stuff that should have been a paid job. And this is going to lead up to, to my issue with volunteering. Um, I also volunteered for Hampshire Distabulary. The police. That's not a charity, though. It's not a charity, but I volunteered for them. And I'm just going to ban like, volunteering in with this. I think volunteers are severely... They're used so incorrectly. And it's such an easy thing to just go, oh, just do some volunteering. Yeah, it, it'll help your job prospects and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, but there's... There's volunteers in charities and non-charities are abused so much. Uh, when I worked for the Mencap Centre, that was an admin assistant job. I was doing stuff for their website, updating everything, doing so many things that are IT-based and administration-based that that was a job. Maybe they couldn't afford to pay someone to do that, though. That's why you get volunteers, isn't it? Cheap labour. That's true, but I, I, I refuse to accept that. Because there, there were times where there were just people, staff, just bumming around, just not really doing anything. And these are people that, they didn't have to be in the building at that time. Like, there were no sessions booked in the diary, and they were just bumming around the building, having a cup of tea, just chatting away to each other. And they were paid. And maybe they'd been there a long time, but I'm just there, and I'm like, I'm do- giving you my time for free, and you're just bumming around and you get paid more than minimum wage. And you're just knocking around and there's no kids here. You're not got any sessions on like until this evening. So no reason for you to be here. You're not doing any cleaning or anything. I thought, why am I volunteering for you? Now, why are you paying me? You obviously need this job done and no one else here can do it. Or wants to do it. So this is a paid job. I was like, oh, but all the time they can get a volunteer to do it, they won't. Why would you? Well, that's it. And why would you be there if you didn't like, yeah, you said they were there and they were getting paid and you weren't and that's a bad thing. But at the same time, you don't have to be there. You're You're not contractually obligated to be there in any way. No, no, no. And I agree. I think that this, this kind of to the whole, I, I was volunteering for charity as well as the police because... I was out of work at the time and I was finding it hard to get into work. And that's, we covered that in the employment episode. That is tricky. So that's what I was doing. But it got to a point where I was getting so frustrated, especially with the police as well, where I was doing 
a very skilled job. I was doing like stat analyst sort of things for speeding and traffic and things like that. And I was so resentful of being a volunteer because the, there was such a push from employment agencies and stuff saying, oh, just volunteer, it uses up your time. And I'm not going to knock that. But I always felt the whole time, like, I'm doing skilled things that I should be paid for at two different places. And it makes you feel undervalued. It makes you feel like people don't want to pay you because you're disabled. That's how I felt. Like, I'm doing two skilled jobs which each organisation need that person to do, which I'm accommodating them for, but they don't feel it necessary to pay me. And when the police started laying off people, even though I was volunteering, they got rid of me because the department was like made smaller. And they got rid of me. And that was like, move me to another department. Why, why would you get rid of a volunteer? Like, it makes no sense to me because... They dissolved the department. Oh, the, the department was quickly got all right. Okay. But they could have moved me elsewhere. Yeah. But they didn't. Which, again, just made, made me feel underappreciated, and I stopped. And when I started working in leisure, I did volunteer for two months, and then they started paying me hourly. Like, they gave me a small amount of hours, and they said, you're really good. We'll give you a small amount of hours. And that's the good part of volunteering, where it can really help. It can actually lead to jobs. It can. But you're saying that's rare. It is rare. Yeah, I think you're talking about volunteering for two different reasons, though, aren't you? Because I I volunteered literally just to burn some of my time. I I already I didn't have a job at the time, or in the later years I had a job, and I thought I got the odd evening free here and there. I'll do some volunteering. Whereas you were volunteering to basically encourage the job prospect. It was a means to an end in your case. Whereas mine was just done for the not the joy of it, but, you know, because I could. Yeah, and I, I agree. I agree. There are two different reasons behind it. But with my situation, like, I I would happily volunteer. Like, when, when I was used to play cricket and all sorts of things like that, when I used to do my extracurricular stuff, I was, especially with, like, the cricket and the sports-based stuff, being a qualified personal trainer and, and fitness specialist, I would do like I would do a lot of the training with people at sessions. I I would help out with, with various bits and bobs wherever I could because it helps. And that sort of thing. I never considered volunteering and that sort of thing I'm happy to, to help out with. But I suppose my my issue is like, I don't mind doing the volunteering if it's like for the good of things and, and that charity needs that. And they haven't got the money, and they're really stretched. And I, I get it completely, but appreciate your volunteers. Like it's not, it's not free labor. Well, it's free labor, but don't treat it like they're a member staff that you can just pile and pile stuff on. The amount of times I had so much work to do for these places, and it was just ridiculous. And I thought, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this. And this is, I say that, I should be getting paid. And that's what my issue was. And that's a trap that you can fall into. Start to get invested in the, in the company. Basically, yeah. Like, you're, you're just an unpaid employee. Yeah, but what I mean is if you start to get obligated to the company, if you start to invest yourself in the company and you start to feel pressure because there's a load of work coming your way and you're not getting it done on time, 
Well, you shouldn't, should you? Because you ain't getting paid. Fuck them. Yeah, it's true. But if you're looking for work, you want that reference, don't you? Mm, true. So there's the other side of it. That's what I mean. That, that's the that's your alternate reason for volunteering, isn't it? Yeah. Selfish reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of true. Although the police arguably don't need volunteers, do they? They don't. And they know that you're basically there as a as a reference point, aren't they? Whereas, like Mencap, for example, you know, it's less, well, arguably less about the job prospects at the end, isn't it? Yeah. More I, about the helping. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I, the Mencap, I was happy working with them because it, it was genuinely helping them and they were small. So I don't mind that. But the police, no, nah, I didn't even get a reference out of that. Yeah. Because my line manager was laid off, so... I think NWA have already said it best. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, especially the job centre. I suppose they're they're too eager to like push the volunteering as that viable option, even if you have all the experience in the world and and all the qualifications. It's an easy cop out for them, though, isn't it? It is. It is. But you can fall into the trap, and I I've heard stories of disabled people volunteering for like ten years. And still looking for jobs for 10 years and they volunteer somewhere. I mean, something's going wrong there, isn't there? What I hate is when I see um, blind charities and they employ, uh, employ in inverted commas, they get volunteers in, like people with sight issues, to be like receptionists and things like that. And I'm like, it's probably good for them because they're doing a few hours a week and they, you know, they get to see people within the organisation and things like that but really they're just paying them in social contact and that kind of fucks me off a little bit yeah it's like they're not good enough to be a paid member of your team and you know what some like I looked at getting a job with places like Action for Blind People and RMIB and stuff like that when I was trying to find work and when I went for jobs I was like not only am I qualified for this and have some experience but I'm also going to be able to give you the experience like personal experience and relatability to like your service users no they don't care about that yeah they don't seem to want that I noticed that when I went for a job at my site weird but that's what you want Mm. if I had a chat that's what I'd want I'd want people who had the experience like first hand because they're the ones who know what works and what doesn't work that's another thing that a lot of charities don't offer either like work programs to get blind people into work. No, they really box don't. me off massively. Yeah, they they um, really don't, and that's that yeah, sucks. Poor poor service, isn't it? Poor allocation of funds. It goes yeah. back to that all the time. Yeah, I think as a summary of this, I, I think charities. It's, it's good to give your money to a charity, but I think it's important if you're going to give money to a charity to do a little bit of background on it. Yeah, know where it's going. Know where it's going. What are they doing? Like, if I, if you want to give to, say, let's say my side, Nottingham, is an example. If you want to donate to them, great, you want to donate to a charity. Just do a Google search. What have they done in the last six months? You can probably find their... Maybe not this last six months, but... (laughs) No, but outside of this... Yeah. Give give it a Google. What have they done in the last six months? What services do they offer? Just give 15 minutes. Just look. What have they done in the last six months? If it's... They've run two coffee mornings for elderly people, and then you look at their services they offer, and you can't really see much there, 
maybe they're not worth your money. And maybe they don't have the money to run it. But as we established earlier with like the whole pub evening thing, mm. sometimes it's not about money. And they're already hiring their staff. So mm. they just have to change their shift and get out of this nine to five mentality. Yeah. And I, and I should point out as well, the staff that I have worked with at my site, I've actually been quite good. So I don't know where the issue lays. Mm. Or lies. Lies. Yeah. Like I said at the start of this, all it takes is one lazy, unqualified, inexperienced or ignorant person and you can upset the entire boat. You all know, you listeners, you're the busted wheel of your organisation or company. You all know that person. If you don't, it's probably you. Yeah. And the busted eyes of my corporation. Yeah, but you also work really hard. Yeah, but you know, I tick the box now. You always got a higher response than I'm that guy. Yeah, my company also did, I guess. <laughs> so, shall we wrap up? Let's wrap. Please cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let's wrap. Let's wrap, my brother. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say let's wrap, my brother, did I? You said let's wrap. So I, I think we covered. Like we're a bit more on the blinky pulse, being disabled pulse this week. Next week, well, before we even go on to next week, if you're listening and you have an opinion and you've worked for charity you've been a volunteer or you have interaction with a charity and you can shed some light on it or RNIB if you listen to this reach out to us tell us what you do because we're open to that I'd like my site Nottingham to get back to me just to see what it is they're doing to get people involved especially coming out of Covid I, I would love to have like hear from these shows and if you want to come on fine we're, we're more than happy to hear your side of it we're not you know, this is seesaw at the end of the day it's all about balance so Let's see what you did there. That's the whole point, isn't it? I don't know. Usually I just like to rag on you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I've been up in the air for ages. <laughs> just with the legs dangling. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. I need the bathroom at one point. At this point, I've just put weights on the other end and wandered off. <laughs> I'm watching from a window. He's still dangling. Yeah. So just remember that next time you send negative feedback... <laughs> No, but if you want to reach out, please do. But if you don't reach out, then we're just going to assume that you suck. Yeah, and continue to rag on you in worse things. Actually, just before we go, I'd like to point out that I ragged on Nottingham City Transport bus drivers for being complete pricks. And just recently, I've had two or three that have actually been really good. Good. Maybe they listen. (laughs) Maybe. Bus radio. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Get it on the radio. Bus radio. You know how like co-op has co-op radio? Nottingham City Talk. Yeah, there you are. Get them on there. All I need to get a weekly segment. Short segment with Tea and Cleaves. Short segment with Tea and Cleaves. It doesn't really have the same... No, no, too many syllables. Shall we we kill it there? Let's kill. Kill the power. So, next week, surprise. As per usual. Yep. All right, so for now, see you in a bit. I won't see you in a bit. Thanks for listening to the Seesaw Podcast. You'll find us on Facebook at Seesaw Podcast, Twitter, Seesaw Pod. You can email us at seesawpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on TikTok and Instagram at Seesaw Podcast or Seesaw Pod, depending on which one we want. But get us on the other places. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience.